This week we're covering episode five, The Good Brother. Too sweet. (laughs) 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 Who, I have to ask, uh, Pake, who do you think was the good brother? Ah, is it? Yeah. um, I mean, I I think it's referring to Paul as far as that's. Scott calls it like, you know, he even mentioned the story of the good brother, mm-hmm. like is what he calls what he's telling Lacey. But yeah, so I think in Scott's mind, he still sees all the good that was in Paul. But yeah, as far as like a title of the episode, like maybe <laughs> it's more more leaning towards Scott. <laughs> I I agree. I think that in reference is what Scott was talking about. He means Paul. Was the good, would be the good brother, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's also in reference to Scott, and I think that's based on some things that um, their dad was saying uh, yeah. in this episode. So, anyway, so what did you think, just in general, general thoughts about this week's episode? This was kind of this was pretty damn. I mean, we've been saying it a lot. Almost every episode's been pretty intense, but yeah, this one I think definitely up the game a little bit. What What are your general thoughts? Did yeah, you I. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I do. I always really enjoy watching these and like it's trying to put those little pieces together and like, okay, where are they going with this? And where it's, what's mm-hmm. this leading to? And I got to know more. And I still have these questions. But yeah, some of the like subject material gets <laughs> harder and harder to watch where it's, it's. <laughs> yeah. This ominous tone. No, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's disturbing like it is it's just it gets to that point we're watching this like i was trying to take my notes like i don't even know what to say about this that just doesn't come across as like undermining like the severity of the situation of what i'm watching right now i know i'm i'm with you it's it's hard to watch and then you know we're watching a second time so we can really Mm -hmm. look at the details and you know try to at least get some analysis from it, right? We're trying to yeah. do our best to kind of figure out or decipher or try to understand at least what we're, what we're watching and what we're hearing. Uh, but um, man, it's some tough subject material. Yeah, for sure. So, it's, you know, whether we've dealt with like the self harm or then like the, like domestic abuse or just like abuse in general. And now it's like, it's like a whole different level of just like, it's depressing and sad, but scary and, Hmm. Unique. It's yeah. So many things. So <laughs> many things. Um. Yeah. I I enjoyed the episode too. I think it was really well done. I think it was well written. I think there were some really great performances. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to kind of talk about it and see if we can't. I don't know. Figure some of it out or or just talk it out. Maybe it'll make a little bit more sense because I think it mm-hmm. helps me. Um, so with that being said, um, what is your number five? All right. Um, again, this week, it's kind of my first couple of points are just real quick little throw them out there mm-hmm. things. But, uh, you know, my number five is we, we catch up just a little bit on, on Jim Dooley and the prof, Professor Dashmiel. Sure do. 
And so it's not much. We only get a little bit, but we see uh, Jim. I guess he's in Amanda's bed. He's still over there at that house. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> trying to. Figure, I was like, oh gosh, is he still there? And I think I he think is. Think so. And he's reading through the papers. I guess that story that he was holding when he was assaulting Lisi last week, he's kept those with him. And now he's reading through it and pouring over it and just like obsessing over Smelling it. Them. He's sniffing, yeah, the papers. I was like, yeah, that checks out. He would, mm-hmm. he would do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but then, yeah, he calls Dashmeal and he's. I mean, lying to him. I mean, like, oh, I never laid a finger on her. You know, oh, it's like I'm man. just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just really, you know, I, I can persuade her. I'm very persuasive. And if Dashmeal is falling for that, I mean, shame on him. Yeah, I don't I think mean, he is at this point because you can hear in his voice and like see on his face when he's on the phone. It's like he is fully regretting his terrible, terrible choices in life right now. And I don't understand how, like, I feel like they are in uh, like a small-ish kind of town. Sounds like a a close-knit neighborhood or not neighborhood, but sorry, um, you know, town or city that they live in. Why the hell is it so hard to find this guy? Right. Just duly. (laughs) You know, he doesn't seem to be attempting to hide himself very well. Like, he's literally Mm -hmm. just sitting on the toilet while, uh, while Darla's running around. I mean, he doesn't really seem to be doing that good of a job of concealing himself or that he's even really trying. Why is it so hard to find this guy? Like, they're like, well, we're just going to wait for him to show up at your door. And then they miss that. And then he does beats and tortures Lisi. And then he's hanging out at Amanda's house. And it's like, this guy doesn't seem like he'd be that hard to find. It's not like they're in the middle of this really big city, right? Yeah. So I'm like, come on. <laughs> anyway. He's, he's just kicking back and, and reading some some papers. Yeah. Which I noticed the one that he's reading, we find out a little bit more about because he's so exuberant about it while he's talking to Dashmeal. And he says that the story he's reading there, it's a story about a father and his two sons. And he thinks it's like a prequel to something else. And all these things, but I think a lot of this unpublished stuff is probably Scott's like real life written down, mm-hmm. dealing with it, like ha- helping him cope with that. it. Mm-hmm. And so he lets some of it out in his works, but I think maybe the really more personal and heavy stuff he kept hidden. And so that's what this is. And so it's cool that it ties into this episode is where we really get the story of everything that happened with Paul. And, you know, the relationship we really get pretty much to the core of the relationship between Scott Paul and their father. And then during this episode is the one where, yeah, Jim throws out that he's talking, he's reading this story about a father and two sons. Yeah. A little on the nose there. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. He, Dashmill was definitely not effective at calling off Dooley. Um, and I wonder if, because I, I did wonder, I'm like, do you really believe him? And if you do, you're you're either stupid or you're really naive. If you mm-hmm. do think that he hurt her, why aren't you um, going over there and checking on her yourself? Or, I don't know, he just doesn't seem to be doing much to try to. I know that, um, yeah. like, when he, whatever contact number he had for him wasn't working. Um, but I'm like, dude, you don't seem to be trying to go to a lot of effort to, to 
do something about this guy to like intercede at all. Yeah. If, if you're truly worried about Lisi, I mean, if I felt like I had done something like that, which I would think I hoped God, I would never do something like that. But you know, like what, what Dashmo did, but I'd be like, if I had thought inadvertently that some, you know, some, something I had done had p- provoked someone to, you know, who wasn't in the right mind to do something like that to someone, I would be doing what I can to like intercede or something. And I feel like dude is in bed sleeping, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, the decent thing to do would be as soon as Dooley hung up on him after he's saying, you have to stop. He's like, no, I can't do that. And hung, hangs up on him. Then you yeah. call the police and go, okay, this is, I, I, I made a mistake and it's getting out of hand. Yeah. Here's everything I know. Like he called me, here's what he said. He has papers, you know, and I'm not confident that she gave them up willingly. Someone needs to go like check in on her. There's a cop sitting outside of her house mm-hmm. and they don't have any clue what's happened. And I understand like that, he, like he told her not to, you know, like he threatened her sisters if she went to help. But if a cop just happened to like go knock on her door or walk on her property, you know, to see what was up, you know, they, you know, that wouldn't be something that she had provoked herself, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of frustrating. I think that's something we have to maybe not think too hard about, but <laughs> yeah, he was still definitely giving us the, the, the creep factor, you know, oh, yeah. the way he was obsessing over those papers and smelling them. And he just looked like he was, um, in seventh heaven over yeah. those papers. And he's like the world awaits like, wow, dude. <laughs> Anyway, All right. that was, <laughs> that it was, was nice good. to not get a whole lot of him like, in I this mean, episode. It's like, I, I need a, a duly break. There was, we got I'm, so much more heavy stuff also. So, you know, we don't get a break break, but we get a break from him. We didn't get a break from the intense intensity at all. It was, mm-hmm. I def, it definitely amplified this episode, but yeah, it was good to get a break from Dooley. Um, I think we've had enough of him. So it was, I, I, I was fine with, with what we got, at least to kind of check in yeah. where he was after he was sitting on the toilet. Um, in the house. And yeah, I think you're right. I think he was, I was trying to rack my brain what her bedroom looked like, but I think you're right. Dude's got balls of steel, like just whatever, going to go in and get himself a sandwich and eat some Oreos and go sit on the toilet while Darla's going through the house. And when she leaves, just lay up all up in bed, like he owns the place. I mean, wow, the dude is, he's something Anyway, yeah. that's a good number five. That was actually yeah. my number five too, um, oh, cool. which is kind of where we started. Um, yeah. So I think we might be a little bit in line tonight, um, a All little right. bit. But um, what's your number four? All right. Well, I was going to say uh, before that, most po- uh, like the most important follow up from last week. Mm-hmm. Of course, speaking of Oreos, uh, how'd you like those carrot cake Oreos? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm not sure if I should thank you or, but no, they're really good. They yeah. Are. I was they're like, oh. Good. There goes my diet. There goes uh, Rima's willpower. Those were amazing. And I couldn't find them that first week when you talked about them. I went looking. I, admittedly, I only went to like one store, but I'm not one yeah. to go like two or three different stores when I'm shopping. And mm-hmm. um, they did not have them. So I, of course, I'm not going to stand there in front of the Oreos and not get something. So I got something else um, uh-huh. in, in lieu of the carrot cake, but then did find them um, earlier Um and I had texted you and said, yep, check them out. I'm, it's on. <laughs> they are pretty spot on. I mean, yeah. I love carrot cake. I will, <laughs> yeah, I love it, carrot cake. And um, 
there's a there's a restaurant in our area that uh, when we, me and one of my girlfriends, when we have like a girls' night or something and go get dinner, they have like their carrot cake is their specialty, and I always always I don't care how much I've had to eat, I'll get it to go have yeah. like the most amazing carrot cake. So I'm big fan, and I tell you what, they do a pretty damn good job with those Oreos. I, I think we should be getting a sponsorship right now. <laughs> right. But <laughs> yeah, it's a weird tangent, but I was like, oh, we got to bring it up. Cause I think I even heard from Greg. I think he got them too. And checked Greg, them out. I really liked them. <laughs> Greg did. And I think they were gone in just a few days. Um, <laughs> mine are still hanging in there. Cause I can only consume so many and I'm really trying to behave myself, but I yeah. have consumed far more than what I should. So thank you for that. I didn't even know. <laughs> I try to avoid the cookie aisle. And so I didn't even, yeah. know, I know that they have all these, you know flavor variants but i did not know they had a carrot cake so fyi to anyone if you haven't tried them and you're a fan of carrot cake check them out pretty spot on they're pretty great pretty spot on so yeah yeah. thanks for that (laughs) but back to lisey's story (laughs) hey oreos are related that is related um they're very important (laughs) to amanda Mm -hmm. and and her well-being they help her um so just they think of it us. as like we're really trying to like understand and get into the characters we're talking about. I feel about, like so. we needed Oreos to maybe yeah. try and help get into Amanda's headspace a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's podcast prep. It's work. It's exactly. <laughs> it's all legit. It's mm-hmm. all legit what we do. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, my number four. Yes. Um, it's kind of a weird convoluted point but that fits between other ones but it's what i could come up with uh (laughs) but it's just um adult scott because i have a lot more to talk about the younger version later Mm -hmm. but just some of the notes that i had about the adult scott and some of the things that we saw um like while he's telling lisi this story which is interesting it's like a flashback within a flashback kind of (sighs) stuff very but, interesting nonlinear yeah. way that they're telling it. Yeah. Yeah. But as he's telling Lisey the story of everything that happened with Paul, the way that he's telling it, he still seems, at least at that point, to believe in his dad. That, like, his dad was good and had their best intentions. I know. Yeah. Like, he knew he was crazy, but, like, yeah. So he knew that his dad was, like, a little... Off his rocker, because he even, like, says that. He was like, you know, I was tired of you know, dealing with the, the craziness and all of this. But I think he still held on to a belief that his dad was right, that his dad loved them, that his dad really did mean well with everything that he did. And he says where his dad, <laughs> daddy loved yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where where Andrew is the dad, I don't think we've ever actually spoken his name because it's not really said. But it's Andrew Landon. Um, mm mm-hmm. But yeah, where he was at, I mean, I guess in his own twisted way, he thought that he was doing the right thing. He thought he was loving them. Yeah. You know, uh, and Scott, even all these years later as an adult, still still seemed to kind of buy into that and, and believe it and be on his daddy's side. Which is, I thought was really interesting, even knowing everything that happened, which I went on a journey of my thoughts and feelings on all of that but that's again later oh yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah well we're gonna have a lot to talk about but you know um it's what i find so interesting that it's one thing for young scott um as we're seeing in the flashbacks the things that have happened the journeys he's taken us on and the stories he's told and especially in this episode it's one thing as a child um to try to rationalize or justify when their parents abuse them 
and the abuses that they hand out and that they still either believe their parents love them or they still have love for their parents, despite the fact that their parents are abusing them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one thing cause he's a child, right? He's trying to make it make sense in his own head and that's what he knows. But as an adult, it really does shock me when mm-hmm. you see adult Scott, like he hasn't like, he's still justifying it. He's still rationalizing it. He's still saying, well, daddy loved us. And I'm like, dude, yeah, you know, that's not love. And when, you know, he's when, and when he says, you know, I told daddy to cut him, I told him to, 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 you know, cut out the bad. And I'm like, he's saying that as an adult mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and maybe he's just repeating what he said as a child, but he almost seems to believe that even as an adult, like he believes as an adult that if his dad had done that, that it would work. Yeah, and so it really, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding that. Like I said, I get it when he's a child, I, I've, you know, heard so many stories and um, like firsthand accounts of children who, whose parents abuse them in the most horrible way. And, that child doesn't hate their parent. Mm-hmm. Like they still love them. They still want to be with them. They don't want to be taken away from them. Like if they, if someone comes in to try to take them away and remove them from that situation and get, put them in like a foster home or something, the parent or the, the children will scream and cry because they don't mm-hmm. want to be separated from their parents, even though yeah. those parents are absolutely horrible to them and abuse them um, in horrific ways. And it's hard to understand that, but you know, I know that there's like psychology behind it and things like that. So I, I understand that. What I don't get is how he still kind of believes that as an adult. Like he hasn't gotten to a point where he sees my dad was shitballs crazy or, you know, I can't believe he believed these things. He wasn't, you know, I don't really believe that he loved us or I didn't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's weird to see he's almost childlike, even though he's an adult, he's almost speaking as a child. Yeah. Still. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think because I see it the same way, like when it comes to, the memories and stories of those times or even anything Booyah Moon related, mm-hmm. he kind of would resort back to this, like revert back to this childlike state. Yeah, he's kind of regressing a little, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's got this like weird infatuation with everything that goes on with that. Because even when we get, again, the flashback and the weird timing of things where after, you know, they're sitting in the car, we get that little conversation again where she says, okay, we're not talking about this anymore because I can't handle everything that you've told me. Mm-hmm. And then he just has this kind of like smile and smirk on his face. Like, but yeah, but if you ever want to go back, you know how now, like he's just kind of very unfazed by the fact that she's very bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I know it's a lot to take in, but like, but it's cool. Right. <laughs> like, Yeah. I- it's, it's interesting. Yep. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here just like trying to, I was trying to figure out what I'm watching. I'm trying to figure out now, but you know what? I just have to let that go because I honestly just don't know, but I totally get what you're saying. So um, it makes sense. Yeah. It's an interesting observation. Yeah. And then the only other little, little notes I had is just kind of some of the stuff with the long boy. Uh, you notice that, you know, his eyes turn the same kind of blue tint as he's sitting in that chair kind of zoned out. And so at first I was like, oh, no, he's already got like the long boy's got him. And then Lisey goes in and finds him. And it's not really the case, but like there is it's like it symbolizes this unhealthy connection 
to Booyah Moon, where he's not wanting to leave. He's kind of taken in and hypnotized by it. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he's transfixed. And I was like, this is, yeah, it's interesting. And like, he was not willing to leave when Lisa even found him. Right. Like, he was like, oh, no, you shouldn't be here. Just go back. Just leave me here. And it's, yeah, she's like, I don't, what do you want from me? You're squeezing my hand, telling me you want to come home. And then I come in here and I find you. And now you, you're just going to sit here and barely give me any kind of answer. Still, you're still checked out. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the long boy showing up that kind of snapped him out of it. And he ended up following her back. And then there was another thing that I just want to get your thought on with that is he tells her that she has to leave the Afghan there because it's an anchor. If I get, if I'm getting that right, that that was kind of the, when they're like, we need to leave. And then it's like, Oh no, this is an anchor. So you have to leave it. I wasn't sure even like going back and trying to, I was like, I don't know exactly what that is. Kind of confused too. I, I thought maybe that, he purposely took the Afghan for Lisi to either find him or for him yeah. himself to use it as an anchor. So if he got lost, it would anchor him to the other side or something. Yeah. Like that was him like to remind him, Oh, I need to go home or I should be at home. I, I wasn't, I'm not sure where I settled on that, but I felt like it was something to help tie him to home. Yeah. Cause then I think he makes her take it off and leave it behind so that they can, go back to the, their normal world wherever when the long boy's coming after them. So I, don't I wasn't get that part. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what was going on with that. So there were a lot of things I've got questions on. <laughs> Book readers. <laughs> if you can give us some feedback maybe next week to clear that up without yeah. spoiling major things. But if there's something you can help us with, it's in I'd the love book to know. And on spoiler, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. <laughs> um yeah, I need to think on that some more. Um, mm-hmm. Well, my number four, um, I'm going to go ahead and just talk about it, um, about what happened, what we found out in this episode, because we, we've been questioning for weeks and weeks since Scott brought him up and we found out when we were introduced to his brother and then that his brother was dead. We've been um, asking the question, what happened to Paul? And we got that. Yeah. This episode. And it was as awful is what I thought it would be, if not worse. Mm, I don't yeah. think I imagined this. Well, I, I think knew it, it was worse to, than I expected. It, it was be. worse than I expected, but I, I thought it's going to be pretty bad. And I thought it would probably have something to do with their father, but I wasn't mm-hmm. quite imagining this. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, you know, I mean, we saw everything that happened. We saw how it escalated. We saw how... Paul all of a sudden just turned like he's doing something with a whatever he had in his hand. I don't know if it was a glass or just whatever he had in his hand. And all of a sudden jumps up and takes after Scott and he's screeching. I mean, mm-hmm. that was horrifying. Yeah. That was a horrifying screech. I don't know what this um, actor had to do to his voice to get it to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of green tea. <laughs> yes. A lot of warm up, I'm sure. And a lot of pre- because it seems, it seems like it would <laughs> be pretty hard. Quick. Yeah, it seems like it'd be pretty hard on your voice to to continuously mm. do that. So I hope he had some good prep um, for his own well being. But mm-hmm. it was terrifying, um, and so he he's chasing Scott and scratches him, and then they end up chaining him up outside, and he screeches more, and you can see this change that mm-hmm. happens over time. It sounds like this was three weeks. We find out 
um, from the time that he first came after Scott to um, when he died. And you could see it escalate and he would, he like yeah. his face was changing. And so I'm like, do, what do you think? Do you think there was actually something wrong with Paul or was there really anything wrong with Paul? Um, so that was the journey that I went on. And so okay. sometimes I like to just, cause I, I, when I take my notes the first time watching it, I just kind of will stop and like take notes throughout. Mm-hmm. So my notes will take this form of, I'm learning things as I'm going. And so sometimes I'll like negate an earlier note by like, Oh, never mind. I figured this out. Oh, I was wrong in my last guess. <laughs> and so sometimes it's just good to just go through the notes and like, here's the journey that I went on is I said, something is definitely off with Paul, but I'm still not sure if it's definitely a supernatural thing tied to Booyah Moon, or maybe he's just like mentally ill in some way, which is even sadder mm-hmm. because then he would end up facing this fate because he's misunderstood by a psychotic father. Mm-hmm. But then I said, the next one is that the supernatural side of things does seem to be more of the truth with Paul. The screeching, the hateful look in his eyes, although I wouldn't blame anyone for a hateful rage in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the strength and dragging the tractor, and then it looked like his food had some kind of weird sludge on it after he took a bite of it. Like something was coming out of his mouth also. So it could just be mud. And I was like, so it could be an exaggerated mystical version of events in Scott's memory. But we've also seen that Booyah Moon is real, so it also could very much be real here, too. And so then I see, you know, then the most horrific thing, like straight up horror that I've seen so far in this series, uh, was when Paul wakes up and is trying to strangle Scott, and the rain stops outside and starts raining only inside the barn from the ceiling. Yes. What the fuck? And then after Andrew shoots and kills him, after a little while, the rain stops inside and then returns to outside a little bit later. Paul looked horrifying as well. Obviously being chained up for weeks outside with barely any food would take a toll on someone and make them look emaciated. But I could almost understand why their father would fully believe everything he said to be true. Maybe it was. And the fact that Paul does return to looking more normal after death does indicate the reality of, quote, the bad in the situation. So I don't know. I feel like, cause at first I was like, I, this might not be real. And it's something that their dad came up with, but by the end of it, I'm not empathizing with their dad, but almost being like, he might've been onto something. <laughs> I know. I know. I, yeah. I don't know where to, that, I love that journey. So thank you for, mm-hmm. for that. That was good because I feel like what you just said exactly conveyed my thoughts as I watched yeah. and then rewatched. And I feel like I'm, kind of contradicting myself a little bit. And so <laughs> when when Scott is talking about the final like three weeks or so of his brother's life, um did the long boy poison Paul? You remember when they went after like his that was dad the start of it is when he got attacked and, by him. And he took him over to like heal him after his yeah. dad cut out the bad. And he took him over and then they he got fixated with the with the long boy and went mm-hmm. into the bushes and comes back out and he's all scratched up. And then he's like, it's okay. It's okay. The, the pool will fix it. You know, it'll heal you like it always does. Well, did mm-hmm. it. Yeah. How long um, after that situation was this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know that we know that. I don't know that we know that mm-hmm. um, time frame. So I'm thinking, did the long boy poison him? Or like you were also talking about, is this the kind of story that a child tells himself to reconcile the child abuse Mm-hmm. And even homicide from their father. Yeah. You know, um, 
that's, I'm like, I don't know. It's like you said, these things, their, their dad could be right. Or it could be Scott reconciling this in his, in his head because he wants to believe his father loved him and he wants to believe what his father's telling him to be the truth. And so, but then, you know, that incredible strength, the way his face changed, was it Scott's imagination or was it real when his face went back to normal after death? Was it because the bad Mm -hmm. was gone? What was up with the rain on the inside of the barn versus the outside? Um, I mean, there was obviously some things happening here. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was one or the other, or if it was a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to make of it, but the end result, whatever it is, um, their dad, did shoot and kill Paul. That seems to be yeah. like without a doubt, at least regardless of the circumstances surrounding his death and how we got mm-hmm. there, that was the end result. And Scott took him to Booyah Moon and buried him. Yeah. Um, so though we at least I feel like we know those things. And he did that to hide it so his dad wouldn't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was rationalizing, you know, and Lacey's like, your dad went to work, you know, he's left you home alone. He's what, I don't even know if we know Scott's exact age, maybe eight or nine or something. Um, or maybe even 10, maybe around that age. Um, and he's leaving him alone with their brother whom he's saying is, you know, taken over by some evil thing. Um, and that he's, he's bad. Um, and he's like, well, we had to eat, we had to pay for electricity. Um, so he's justifying that. And, you know, he doesn't want him to get in trouble. Um, so, yeah, he's doing all these things. So it's like it would almost make you believe that he he would just believe whatever it is that his father told him. And Yeah. So then maybe some of these supernatural aspects of it are just kind of a twisted version of it that's in Scott's mind, like you said, to kind of cope with what happened and, right. and give it, a, an, you know, an excuse or, an ex- you know, a reason why it happened. It's, oh, no, because dad said this and this. So. I must be remembering it right that, yeah, this happened and he looked like this and he did that. And we don't really know. We're left being like, is this Scott's imagination or is this truly how it happened? And there really is something evil at play. Well, and we also see, um, so after this, Scott seems to, I don't know what we call it, like a power or ability, whatever you want to call it, seems to have grown after this because he then stands up to his dad and that Mm -hmm. water turns on all by itself. Like when he's telling him like, I'll take him, you know? Um, And so he, he's actually brave enough, which he, he hasn't done at this point, stand up to his father. um, And then that water turns on by itself and his dad takes notice. So what's up with that? You know, that I really liked that scene, which it was right after Paul was killed. Mm hmm. I took a note of like the look of sheer resentment from young Scott looking at his dad. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is probably the first time Scott had ever looked at his father that way. Yep. Cause he was such a like fan and follower of his dad that everything he said was gospel, even though he was abusive to Scott too. I mean, we mm-hmm. see it with him grabbing him by the hair oh, and God. pushing him and just everything that he did. You know, I love that. I say I love, not really, but it was kind of, you know, uh, ironic that, Scott's telling the story to Lisi and saying, you know, that his father, you know, their father loved them deeply and hard. Mm-hmm. And then it's immediately followed by a scene of his dad telling Scott that he's ugly and his mom was a whore. And I was like, 
yeah, that man does not line up with loving with me. I don't. Yeah, he looked don't hard see it. and it was ugly sometimes mm-hmm. or something. Isn't that what he said? And I'm like, yeah, yeah ugly. My God. Yeah. He, your mother was a whore, um, but she was my whore. You know, yeah. and, and, and and talking to them about how, he, you know, teasing like, or not really teasing, but saying, mocking them in a way that like, oh, you must be the exterminator man's kids, not really his. Yeah, stuff. I just say, just he like, calls him ugly and he's like, I wouldn't even think you're my own except for birthmark on your ass or some weird like quote like that. And it's like, God, oh, my God. OK, <laughs> I know. But he loved him so deeply, though. Right. I know. I'm like, like dude. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like I said, just trying to figure some of this out. Like, are you just a bad abusive man or you got some mental illness mixed up in with it um yeah which i think is probably true but it's like wow hard to watch hard to watch but i had some interesting notes about the dynamic between scott and his father okay because yeah um you know i said that i found it really interesting that as overbearing and aggressive as their dad was about pretty much everything when it came to matters of Booyah Moon and the processes of, like within, he always put full faith into Scott. And he would follow the kid's lead on things and like listen to him and follow directions. I mean, he's the one that went in there in the barn and is pumping the water for him. Like, okay, what do I do now? What do I do? Like right. when it came to things like that, he listened to Scott and Scott kind of took charge. Except for when he crossed that line, when he's telling him back up back up and there's that it had to be something about like classic parent mode is like i just don't like your tone that's basically <laughs> what it was where he was like excuse me boy what did you know don't talk to me right. like that yeah don't talk back yeah but but scott was tired of the shit at that point and so he just yells at him back up daddy and then that's when the water comes on on its own and yeah i <laughs> the look of just like stunned silence and just in there like holy shit what is this kid actually capable of like yeah he like put his dad in his place there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. Really interesting. Um, I like that. Good notes. Um, well, that was my number four. What is your number three? My number three is, again, I've kind of got different characters split into different like parts of it. So, so do so I. So my number I three is Lacey kind of in the current state that we see her and her memories. Okay. Because again, it's very unique storytelling style of the show, specifically this episode where it's this episode is basically the whole thing is Lisey sitting by the pool, remembering the events that caused her to remember other events about things that she saw or was shown. And then those make her remember what's real or not, you know, it's out of that world. And so <laughs> rememberception. Um, <laughs> Flashback inside a flashback. It's really interesting. But it was fun to watch her kind of reacting because she did that thing again where it would be a flashback of Scott saying something to her and then it would cut to her all lacerated and cut up sitting by the pool and like, quote unquote, current day mm-hmm. answering out loud a question that Scott asked her 15 years ago. Yeah. It's this she's kind of reliving all of these things and remembering it as it's going. And I thought it was interesting that the part in Scott's story after Paul dies, it cuts to Lisey and usually where she would ask the next question to further along the story, she had nothing. It was just this like silence, like, uh, and then it went back to the story. It was just like a little thing. And I was like, it's that I thought it was cool that it cut to her reacting. And then that was it. Like we can tell that moment. It even like lost her where she was like, something's wrong here. This is, this is dark. Mm-hmm. And, 
Yeah, but mainly the point of, I guess, this point, again, is kind of convoluted, but I was like, is what the flashbacks are causing her to remember and what her current plan is. Yeah. And we end the episode with her going into the pool. She's got the shovel, a bag with some stuff that she put in it. I couldn't quite catch what she was packing up. I tried to catch it. I was like, I still don't know. Yeah, I didn't catch all of it either. But then Amanda and Scott know she's coming. But yeah, no, it's something that she said, though, which was interesting, is as she's remembering something, she's kind of talking to herself slash Scott. And she says out loud, she's like, it's Amanda. It's not Dooley. It's Amanda. And I didn't know exactly what she meant by that, but it makes me worried regardless of what she means by that. I had that down, too. Um, that mm-hmm. was actually, my, well, it's it's hard to call it a whole talking point. It's really just, what the hell does that mean? You know, when she yeah. says it's Amanda, it's not Dooley, it's Amanda. And I'm like, wait, what? What the, what do you mean that mm-hmm. it's her and not him? And mm, yeah, I don't know. It's my question that I didn't really expect an answer for, but just I wanted to make sure that I pointed it out. So that's actually um, like my number three was just that point. What what does that mean? Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like she's going yeah. to go rescue Amanda. Like what she yeah. has learned about how to get to Booyah Moon. She's learned a little bit more about it and what, what lurks there. Um, mm-hmm. And she remembers that she's done it before. And she remembers Scott being in a very, like very similar kind of state that Amanda's yeah. in. You know, Amanda is pretty much like kind of comatose and saying that she's like a double. So she was telling Darla, I think, that she was like mm-hmm. a double. Lisey says the same thing to Scott. Yeah. So is there something that she's learned from all of this that, that Scott's making her remember so she can go pull Amanda back? Because maybe yeah. even though Amanda says she wants to go home, Scott said he wanted to go home too, but he didn't leave with her right away. Yeah. He didn't snap out of it right away. So what was it that she's learned or needs to know or that will help her on that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, it's more of just, yeah. Uh, kind of questioning, which we'll find out next week what happens, but the oh. point is like, what, what I want to know. Yeah. What, what do you think is kind of coming up And Yeah. You brought up some of that with, you know, is Amanda going to be more willing to go than Scott was in that moment or not? Cause we see Amanda being like, be careful, Lisa. Like she knows she's coming for mm-hmm. her now, which is interesting. Again, that connection that they have, but then Scott's there too. So <laughs> yeah. Is he in what version or I'm, we right. still don't really know what happened to Scott. Um, is he mm-hmm. sitting somewhere in a vegetative state? Maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's gone. Like yeah. in quotes gone. Remember how their dad keeps saying there's, there's the bad and then there's, there's the ones with the bad and then the ones that are gone. Don't be mm-hmm. gone. And not to be truly gone, you can be remembered. Or I, I'm totally not getting that. Yeah, because right. that's when their dad says something is. Them? I don't have the exact quote, but yeah, because it's one of those things that maybe Scott did die, but because he has that connection to Booyah Moon, that like he's still there. Because yeah, which I don't well, know how their dad would know things about Booyah Moon because that seemed to kind of be Scott's thing. But he says something to him about like even after you're gone, you're still like not fully gone. It was this. Yeah, and be remembered. Yeah, you don't want not to. If you don't want to be fully gone, you have to be remembered. And I feel like mm-hmm. Scott's way of being remembered is his books. Yeah, 
his books, wherever he is, <laughs> alive, <laughs> dead, at Booyah Moon, or in some type of like comatose type state in a in a home somewhere like Amanda is, he's still remembered because of his his books that people enjoy. Yeah, he lives sure. on in his books. He'll never be forgotten yeah. because of his his books and the people so are love these- his books other people sitting around the pool in Booyah Moon, other creative types that visited there and pulled their inspirations from there. And now they've died, but they're still living on Mm -hmm. through their works or something. You know, is that what these people are? Other people like Scott. I know. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Oi. I feel like we're getting so deep and metaphysical here. Um, (laughs) That was really good. Um, which one are we on? Is it my number three? Was that your number yes. three? Okay. Uh, well, my number three, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Michael Pitt, who plays their father, mm-hmm. um, Andrew Landon. I, I I thought it was really great uh, that we got like more from him in this episode instead of his yeah. paranoid ravings. We keep we, We've seen him be super abusive to his sons, and we've seen his paranoid or paranoia and you know, we're all just like, wow, okay, that's a lot. But this episode and his performance I thought was great. You know, I have, I've only seen him in like one other movie, so I'm not real familiar with his whole body of work. I'll admit. Um, but this performance, I felt really humanized him. Yeah. I think. And I mean, it could have, you could have just played him completely horrible. I mean, that's, I mean, everything that we've seen has been really horrible, but there at the end when the rain is pouring down on him and he's down Mm -hmm. on his knees, it almost feel like, feels like he's kind of wishing that it would wash away all the sins he's committed. It doesn't it kind of feel a little bit like that too. Like he's asking for forgiveness or something and wanting that rain to wash away his Mm -hmm. sins. Um, And, and I don't know. And when he said, I don't know if it was, but to me, it rang a little sincere when he said, I love you too, kid. I'm sorry. Um, I was like, oh, wow. So I think from him, that was a magnificent performance. I saw a different side to their father. Not that it makes anything that he's done okay or anything, but I feel like he's, there's more to him than what we've seen. And I think it was a, a great performance by him, and it definitely gave that character um, some human and real qualities in that performance. Mm-hmm. So kudos to him. Just wanted to give him yeah. a shout out. I think it was great because um, we have seen more of him. He did have more work to do, and you could really see that performance. He that was yep. for me. It hit all the notes. So had to give him some props for that because I think it was great. For sure. Yeah, that scene that you mentioned specifically, him out in the rain after he had killed Paul and just, yeah, his face changed from this hardened, like, I'm doing what I have to do and I do it because I love you, but then like being very, like, just cutting about everything, <laughs> pun not intended. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, just how he was. And then to see that like softness in his face and realize like he is deeply affected by what has just happened. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed like he was like as terrible as what he was and abusive as what he was. He really did seem gut wrenched by what he had to do. 
because he was like, yeah. you know, that's my firstborn. That's my boy. That's my firstborn. And mm-hmm. but feeling like he had to do what he did to save Scott and that there was no other way for like he felt I'm not saying this is true, but I feel like in his mind, he thought that was the only possible outcome. Like they weren't going to be able to save him or turn it yeah. around. I know that Scott was going to try and take him back to Booyah Moon and try to reverse it or try to make him better to heal him or just whatever. And that didn't work because he's attacking him. Um, but you could tell it was yeah. gut wrenching. I think for him, I, I, I bought that anyway. I think it is mm-hmm. anyway, or I felt that. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of like the classic, like zombie movies, your George Romero kind mm-hmm. of zombie stuff is the way he was, going about it because he even a lot of callbacks to those kind of things where he tells scott that's not your brother anymore or there's like that little scene where he considers cutting off scott's foot because he got bit on the ankle or something like Mm -hmm. it was like these like little like like and yeah the zombie zombie kind of things and so he's like you know oh we can fix it and he's like no he's infected he's gone it's not him anymore yeah and so it definitely did make me think of something like that very much it did me too you we've seen a lot of storylines like that where your loved one whomever that is where spouse Mm -hmm. child you know whatever and they turn and they've just turned and that person can't carry through with, you know, taking them out. They can't get there um, because they still see that as their loved one. They can't rationalize in their head that it's not them anymore. It's, you know, yeah. a zombie or a walker, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, yeah, I, a lot, definitely a callback to that for me, too. Um, <laughs> awesome. So does that go to your number two? Yeah, it does. Okay. All right, so my number two is Lisi in Booyah Moon, her kind of trip to find Scott. Okay. And we get a, a quick transition of the lighthouse again, but this time as it the light goes across the camera, goes across the screen, it then transitions into being in Booyah Moon, and we see a similar lighthouse there. Right. So I have to assume that, yeah, the lighthouse is connected to Booyah Moon somehow. And I wonder don't know exactly how, but yeah. Right. And I know we talked about that the last episode. And I wonder if it, if that's kind of a bit of an anchor for her, like if she sees that in Booyah Moon, will that trigger her to think of home? Because he's, he's like, just think of, think of us here or think of here and you'll come back here. Mm -hmm. So is that, would that be enough to trigger her to be like home, you know, and then she would be back home. So yeah, I, really I, I, I noticed that too. Yeah. I haven't thought of it being that way. So then it would, it, I guess in that case, would it have been Scott getting a lighthouse and putting it in there afterwards going, Oh, there's a lighthouse here in Booyah Moon. So I need to get one that reminds me of that. So while I'm there, I think back to the one that I have that's at my house. Mm-hmm. I never even thought of that, but that could be. <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't know. And it may not mean anything, but I feel like there's always meaning behind so many things. So Anyway, Mm -hmm. I I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. But yeah, um, I think then it's cool is, again, it's, you know, good storytelling that this is the episode. We're getting all the backstory on Paul and Scott's telling Lisi all these things. And then when she's going to find him, she's seeing these things for herself and realizing, at least to some extent, all these things are true as she finds Paul's grave with the little, like, ketamine syringe needle still there Mm -hmm. that he had brought over there with him. And 
you know, it, it shakes her up a little bit. Like she's pretty, pretty, you know, where, you know, you can see it on her face. Like, even though all these things he told me and I've seen Booyah Moon, but like, I still didn't believe all these things were actually true. But here I am standing at the grave of his brother that he's told me all this about. And, you know, here it is. And yeah, I just wonder kind of that effect that it takes on her. And that's, so she heads to the pool. She's like, okay, well, I know where he's going to be and I have to help him. And then that scene, when she gets to the pool, is such an interesting scene to me. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Afghan. You know, I, I guess that's like the little doily piece or whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, they called it a delight. And I'm not a, yeah. a, a knitter by any means, so <laughs> I don't know what that means. Maybe it's a knitting term. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why that meant so much in that last episode, that previous episode, is because it does tie this place to her really well, that memory. Mm-hmm. Because Scott wore that Afghan so she would recognize it when she went there after him. And, you know, what it would take to actually pull him out of that place, I'm not sure, because he really, like I mentioned earlier, didn't seem that interested in leaving at first while she's talking to him. And so she kind of breaks down and has this little, fuck it then, I'm taking this Afghan and I'm leaving without you. This shit's too much for me to deal with moment, Mm -hmm. you know, where she's like, and then the shushing, everybody just kind of keeps shushing her and telling her to be quiet, you're going to bring it here. And then she kind of snaps at that too. I don't want to be quiet. It's like, it's, I don't it's a lot for her to take. Yeah. yeah. And the people around her at the pool, that was really interesting. You get that creepy, skinny figure completely wrapped in that shroud. We've seen that one a few times. The two guys that were talking to her were new, I think, as far as I know. The one kind of telling her, you know, you don't look like you belong here. Mm-hmm. And the other guy that just keeps telling which that guy got <laughs> snatched up later on because yeah, he followed he followed them on their way out to just make sure to point out oh it's your fault that the long boy showed up it's your yeah. fault yeah and i'm like why i wonder what he meant by that looks like you don't belong here how yeah what, i don't know what does it take to look like you belong there i don't know mm-hmm. sitting down and being quiet yeah i don't know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then there's the little girl with Maybe her mother or an older version of herself, because I'm still not sure what the whole deal with this place is. Mm-hmm. But because, you know, I have have noticed there's like a lot of pairs of people sitting next to each other that are similar. Yes. Still don't know what that means. I but, don't either, but I've noticed yeah, it too. It's just me kind of pointing things out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I think we kind of talked about, yeah, then what it took to go back is again with the anchor and things like that, which I want answers. You and me both, man. You and me both. Well, and, you know, when she said it in the show, it piqued my interest. And then when you just said it, it did it again. When she tells Scott, you wore this afghan so I would see you when I came over here. How would she, Mm -hmm. like, it's not a super crowded area. I know that there's people and she is standing there and she's, you can see her looking around and scanning the faces. Why would she not recognize Scott without the Afghan? Mm -hmm. And am I looking too hard into that? But I'm just, you know, when she said that I'm like, well, he's your husband and he's sitting there on the steps. If you turn around, he's not like in a way distance away. He's not wearing a neon sign. He's wearing an Afghan and, he, I, to me, wouldn't be hard to find. Would d- does something about 
him being there without some, like, does he need something from home to make him recognizable or something to her I don't being know. over there? I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Well, I wouldn't think so either, but I'm just yeah, like, why would so. she say that? You wore, you wore this. So I, so I would know to find you mm-hmm. or I would be able to like see you. Mm-hmm. I don't know because yeah, I've got that yeah, line there that sure. she says, you know, it's the Afghan, it's an anchor. You may think that's a, that's a place, or you may think that there's a place. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of dialogue there. But anyway, um, was that your number two? It was. Okay. Well, my number two was, we, we've already talked about it then. That was the, just the part about when Lisey is saying, cause I, I couldn't correlate. I'm like, what is she talking about? And why is she, what was happening when she brought this up? When she's saying it's Amanda, it's not Dooley, it's Amanda. I, I don't know what that is. So, We've talked about that, and I don't have anything else to say on it because I don't have a freaking clue. Um, so what is, what's your number one? My number one we also have covered pretty well okay. already. So it's – but yeah, I just titled it The Good Brother, uh, which is, yeah, that whole story and backstory we get with what happened to Paul. Um, so let's see if there's any other little notes that I have in there that we didn't talk about. Oh, of course, their dad was also a super conspiracy nut. That makes sense. Uh, oh, yeah, Scott says something about how we, he wouldn't take him, yeah, wouldn't take him to the hospital or wouldn't call the police. And it's not only that he would get in trouble, but that he had this weird view of like, because what he said it was the police, the the host, the doctors, the Jews, the Christians, that like everybody's in this conspiracy all together against them. And it's this was like, you yeah, know, that checks out that he would be in that kind of mindset about things. Uh, <laughs> definitely on the nose coming from Stephen King. I wonder if that exact dialogue was in the book or if he threw that in there for like today. Yeah. A bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little note. He was using ketamine mm-hmm. to knock out Paul. He was mixing it in with their food, which I couldn't tell what they were feeding. But it looked like he was just like taking a bag of Cheetos and like yeah. mushing them together into like a corn cob shape. Like a pioneer drumstick or something. Yeah. I don't, I'm not That's sure what bad. it was. And apparently it's expensive because it has meat. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It almost looked that second one that he was making almost looked raw. Like, yeah, I don't know. Hard to see. It was, it's a very dark toned. It's dark in their kitchen where they were mixing all that up. I was just very I'm like, I don't know if I want to know what the hell is in that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I remember I mean, and I'm not judging anybody for anything that yeah, I grew up poor. I used to think like just like a cheese sandwich was, you know, the most awesome thing ever, you know? So, you know, I've eaten some, some questionable things, which we do when we're poor, you come up with some creative, creative things. Um, see, I don't know what the hell that was. Yeah. But yeah, that's all that I had extra little, like those tiny notes, but we covered, yeah, that (laughs) journey I went on trying to figure out, the truth behind everything that was going on and I like that just journey. how rough it was to go through it. I yeah. like it. That, well, it resonated with me because I had the same kind of thoughts, but well, I mean, my number one, we've talked about a little bit too. And, um, but uh, it was more for me, I guess, exploring. Do we know for sure Lisey's mission? And, and I love that she was using her pool. Again, I know we talked about like, mm-hmm. was it connected and it may, maybe not her pool exactly is connected, but just the fact that it's water, I guess, because that's what yeah. he reminds her of is remember water works best. Um, 
but she had all Which of these means there's other ways her. to get there too if it's yeah <laughs> if water works best that means that there are other less effective ways yeah it's an interesting line you know to put it that way yeah has he tried other ways maybe or has he just always tried water because that is what works best for him but yeah that would be interesting mm-hmm. to explore a little bit um but what what is her end game what does she take with her she had her shovel um, mm-hmm. that she was taking with her. Now, what do you think that shovel is for? Now, she uses it as a weapon. Like, she used it to attack the man that shot Scott that we saw in flashbacks, mm-hmm. which there was a flashback to that, too, that he said, like, one word of dialogue to Lisey or a couple lines of dialogue to Lisey. Um, but she used it to attack that guy when he shot Scott. When yeah she hears that like Dooley stalking her and could be a threat. And they're like, Oh, you need protection. You should get maybe a gun or something. And she's like, no, I don't like guns. I have something in mind. And you see her go get the shovel. You know, she's going to use that as, as protection against Dooley. So to me, it sounds like to her, that shovel represents like that's her weapon, weapon of choice. But what is that weapon for? Is it for the long boy? Is that for, if she crosses over and and she feels like it's a threat, that's what she's going to use. Um, I don't, I don't know. Or is it just an anchor that she needs? Maybe an anchor to anchor take her she home has. so she doesn't get stuck. Yeah. Cause there's something. Yeah. Cause she has that little flashback again of her conversation with Amanda where Amanda's telling her, you know, the shovel, you know, you remember the shovel. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the first clue and you need, you'll it see it before you, you see it. You, yeah. You'll have you'll seen see it before it, you see it. Before you see it or side. Yeah. I'm terrible with quotes. Yeah. I think I've got the and, quote in front of me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And, he, but that, that little flashback of Amanda saying that is what then triggered her to say, it's not Dooley, it's Amanda. So I was like, well, how does this shovel tie into Amanda then? Right. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, another week goes by yeah. and we haven't cracked it yet, Pig. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> we are trying so hard. Um, yeah. I think that's great. I, I I don't, that's all that I have for my top five. And honestly, I have mm-hmm. no more notes. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm out at this point. Yeah. I had two other just random notes. Uh, Darla's sleeping with a gun. She sure is. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any qualms about the gun. <laughs> like no. Lacey does. <laughs> and then we get the creepy hotel owners again in that flashback, which I, what man? just because, just because as, as they, as Scott and Lisey pull away from the hotel when they're leaving and then it just focuses on the two of them standing out there looking real scary for a few seconds. And then that's it. It's like, sure. Nothing wrong with that, that at us. all. <laughs> Nothing whatsoever. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for throwing that in guys. That, that left me mm-hmm. with a, with an impression. I liked it. Um, good notes. Well, I think that I th- I mean, I feel I, I I'm exhausted over that episode. I don't know what else to say. So I think right. it's time to um see what our listeners have to say and see if um any of them have been able to provide any insight. Um the first one that we have is from Marine Favo. Uh she says, Loving your coverage. Just finish book and we'll watch after I upgrade my phone. You both keep asking same questions I was asking as story progressed. Oh, that's good to know. At least we know we're <laughs> not too far off. Um she goes on, believe story is intentionally confusing with flashbacks. In book, there are descriptive clues. Lisey's injuries are a big indicator at this part in the story, but readers uh, constantly is waiting for a clue as to which time frame is being told. 
uh, Lisey's beating was so brutal in the book. Uh, Paul's hunting, waiting for Scott to pounce was really scary as well as all the stress of Paul being chained in the basement and realization it isn't sustainable. Keep up the great coverage. Glad you chose this story. Oh, I guess maybe he was chained in a, in the basement in the book versus the um, yeah. outside in the garage mm-hmm. um, or barn, I think is what Scott called it. Um, yeah. Thanks. Interesting. <laughs> that was good feedback. And thanks for, yeah, I'm absolutely. glad, glad you're enjoying our coverage and um, yeah. that's, people have the same questions as we do. <laughs> <laughs> At least we're all on to something. Yes. I guess. We're asking the same questions. We're not way out in left field somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. This next one comes from Lindsay Schlick. She says, wow, this was a rough episode. Paul's screeching was so disturbing. It had me completely on edge and was driving my dog nuts. That kid is a good actor. He had me completely creeped out. It was really sad to see such a sweet kid go out like that. I do still feel like I have no real idea what's going on, and I hope some things start to become clear soon. I like mystery and intrigue. I'm still pretty. I'm still just pretty nervous the payoff isn't going to be enough for such an out-there story. Side note, loving Daphne's book comparison feedback. This is one book I always skipped but wished I'd read before the series. I think it would have helped my complete lack of understanding. Daphne's feedback each week helps. Aw, shout out to awesome. Daphne. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, Lindsay. I, I'm i with you. I do also enjoy mystery and intrigue. That's why I'm all in on this story. But I, 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 I worry, too. And I worry anytime I watch something like this, like man, this, there better be a payoff. It better have been worth it, you know? So I'm, I'm with you. That's legit, but I'm glad that you're still hanging with us. So thank you. Thank you for hanging and not bailing. Um, which I wouldn't blame you if you did. I I get it. I know this isn't everyone's (laughs) thing. (laughs) We appreciate you. Um, Mm -hmm. we got a couple of emails as well. Uh, First one that we have is from Fran in New York. She says, OMG, not only did you get and read my email, but you read it on the podcast. You just blessed the socks <laughs> off of me. So awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I had to I had to put that in there. I had to leave it in there. I thought it was so sweet. Um, mm. She goes on. I loved hearing the other emails, especially the gal who pointed out the couple of differences between the novel and the show. Having read the story so long ago, who can remember all the details? LOL. Oh, and the one who speculated about it uh, really being Tabitha's novel? Hmm, intriguing. Uh, So now having seen what happened to, or rather what was done to brother brother Paul, I guess a question can be, did Paul really manifest the bad as depicted? Did he truly become as a feral beast ready to kill young Scott? Or was young Scott seeing the manifestation of his father's delusion slash paranoia slash insanity? Did you catch the look young Scott gave his father after the shooting? Oh boy. Definitely a lot of triggers in this show for all of us, delicate of mind and experience out there. Again, kudos to the casting of the show, the boys, the dad. Wow. Even the whole depiction of their home and how they lived. Very real to the story. And finally, did you catch the glimpse of the tower-like structure in the background of the Booyah Moon Pool? Was that a dark tower connection? Uh, Maybe some of the other great fans out there will know if there was in the story itself or if there are other Dark Tower references in Lisey's story. I'm real tempted to go back and reread the novel, but I'm currently reading Dean Koontz's Nameless Season 2 short stories uh, or short stories series on Prime. He's another favorite author of whom I've read mostly all of his stories. I wonder why no big studio movies or shows have uh, of Koontz's stories. He's got some great ones. And I can't wait for King's new Billy Summers to come out in August. Constant readers will not miss it. Ha. Blessings to you both, Fran in New York. 
Awesome. Thanks, Fran. That was great. It's really good stuff. And I love you're asking some of the same questions we were talking about in our points about yeah. what was real and what wasn't, if it's Scott's manifesting. Because I, I promise we don't read these this feedback beforehand. No. So no. it wasn't like us seeing this and then being led to talk about those things. So again, it's showing that a lot of us are kind of on these same wavelengths and thinking about things. So I love that. I do love that. Yeah. Just reading that now, um, I thought, wow, we are all kind of wondering the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like reading feedback before we read it on on here. I think it leaves mm-hmm. better um, uh, re- reactions from you and I. That was great, yeah. Fran. Thank you so much. I'm glad um, you were happy to hear your email. I hope it thrills you a second time. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> one more yeah. email. All right. And this one comes from Daphne, which... I guess it's not become like everybody's favorite segment. I was gonna say, she's going to give us our... Uh, <laughs> Daphne can't uh, miss any more feedback. Or I mean, not that she has, but she's got mm-hmm. to make sure she keeps writing in because everyone is relying mm-hmm. on her for her. <laughs> yeah. We got to know what's the similarities and differences. Exactly. Here. Anyway, she goes on. She says, Rima and Paik, this was another rough part of the story and was so sad when seeing it on the screen. Paul and Scott were more than just brothers. They survived so much together and watching Paul succumb to the bad gunky was so devastating. I'm also in the process of rereading the book at the same time as watching the show. And with so many of Stephen King's books, or as with so many of Stephen King's books, there are additional characters that don't make it to the televised or movie adaptations because of story simplification purposes. Here are a few things that I have been reminded of in my reread. One, in the book, Dashmiel is not the one who gets Dooley to try to coerce or intimidate Lisi into giving up Scott's work or to steal it outright. It's instead a University of Pittsburgh professor named Joseph Woodbody. I think it was easier to combine this part of the story with Dashmiel rather than create another whole character on the show. Like Dashmiel, Woodbody does try to stop Dooley, but the method of communication no longer works. In the book, Dooley only communicates by email, not telephone. Hmm. Two, in the book, Jim Dooley goes by the fake name of Zach McCool, so his true identity is not apparent from the start. Three, Scott did refer to his creepiest fans as Deep Space Cowboys. He and Lisi also called them Inconks which is a play on a term Scott gave his rare works in Concabilla. Lisi refers to Dooley as Prince of the Inconks. Hmm. And four, Paul's descent into madness is pretty similar from the book to the screen. His father is the one who has to kill him when he attacks Scott. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts as always, Daphne. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Daphne. Appreciate you. that comparison. Um. Wow, really great feedback. Uh, you guys keep it coming yeah. in. I it makes me feel a little bit better um, as I'm having these thoughts and where my thought process is going. And I think Peg as well. You are also having some of the same questions as we've just talked about. Um, gives a little bit of validation. So thank you, everyone, mm-hmm. and keep keep going. We we're over the halfway mark. Yeah. We've got what episodes yeah. um, six, seven, and eight. Six, seven, eight. That's it. Three more. Left. Three more to go. I feel like there's mm-hmm. a lot of story to tell. I hope. I hope they stick the landing. Yeah, I really do too. But it's so. It, it is so pretty to look at. I mean, that's not an excuse. If the ending turns out to be shit, um, or if they don't do well, <laughs> like wrapping it up or something. But it is. You know, I'm okay with like the slower pace because it is so beautiful to look at. They they're doing a, a yeah. great job with the directing and the cinematography. It's just. It's stunning. So at least it's really pretty to look at. Um, Well, thank Mm -hmm. you everyone again for writing in. Appreciate um, you being on this journey with us. Um, So speaking of that, um, we will be covering next week on Strange Indeed, episode six. 
of Lisey's story titled, Now You Must Be Still. Hmm. No description because either they're pointless or they're spoilery. So I'm not even going to yeah. <laughs> take the risk either way. The past couple of weeks, I've been able to kind of figure out just based off the title, like, oh, this is a mm-hmm. Jim Dooley episode or, oh, this is going to be a Paul's backstory. But with this one, I'm like, it could go anywhere. I don't know with this one. Yeah, I, I thought about that, too. I was like, it's like the pool, I guess, if you got to be still and quiet. But that's <laughs> or. The, the long boy when they were all shushing her and telling her to be quiet and yeah. you have to be still. So what, it doesn't see you, hear you, pick up your presence. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. It could be something completely <laughs> different. It could just be a line in the damn dialogue somewhere. Yeah. You never know. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out this week. Yes. Well, <laughs> we are really excited um, that you've joined us here at Booyah Moon, but please follow us on Twitter at Strange Cast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. And speaking of great podcasts, you can check out Paik and Daphne um, on their podcast called Run For Your Lives. Got any teasers yeah. for us this week, Paik? Yeah, this week is our holiday special. We're releasing it a few days early, Yay. but uh, for 4th of July, also known as Independence Day. And that means... And of course, <laughs> we are releasing our episode on Independence Day with Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, and we have our good friend Ben from the Next Level Network, Wilhelm, coming on to talk about that, because that is one of his favorite movies. Mine Little too. Uh, teaser in there. He watches it every year for the holidays so mm-hmm. of course we we had to bring him on and we had a great conversation and it was a lot of fun so oh, that will good. be coming up this week so oh my god yeah, i can't wait check that one out. thank uh, thank you guys for doing that it's one of my favorites it's hilarious yeah. i watch it every now look i sometimes i'll admit sometimes i may not be like sitting on my butt the entire time i might be getting up and like doing a couple things or getting up to go to the kitchen or something but the movie is on Every Fourth of July, I love Independence yeah. Day. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm a, I got a thing for da- disaster movies. I've talked to you and Daphne about that before, um, uh-huh. and that that one is a favorite of mine. Blow up the White House, hell yeah, I'm I'm in. <laughs> so I'm excited. I can't wait. I, I think that's going to be a great conversation with you guys. So I'm I can't wait to hear that one. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. So. Cool. Well, excited how to put can it out. you not? So yeah, I'm excited to hear that one from you guys. Uh huh. But all right, with that, that is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Dave. And Kelly from Maine is strange indeed. Perfect.